podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to a brand new TAT pod. Hope you guys are having a wonderful Saturday evening. Hope you've not been crying too much after a very emotional afternoon at Anfield for a few reasons, but we'll get into that. But first of all, I need to introduce you to two new members of the TAT pod. Um, these guys have just joined and it's their debut. So please give them a lovely, nice warm welcome in the comments if you're watching this live or if you're watching this back. Uh, first of all, we've got Craig. How are you doing, mate? Need to unmute, mate. <laughs> uh, what a way to start. Yeah, yeah. there we go, mate. Uh, Get the like cobwebs off first, you know. Season, I think. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, here, thanks for having us. Great to be on, guys. Well, absolute pleasure, mate. And then we've also got Mike. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, man, I'm doing good. So I'm excited to uh, excited to start doing this. I think it'll be uh, good to hear everyone's opinions on things. I know Craig's got a few interesting ones already. So, yeah, I mean, we just had a brief chat off here, but um, you two will be glad to know that you've joined at the absolute right time because this has been an absolute slog this season. Let me tell you, sometimes I've started up a stream and thought this is the last thing I want to be doing. You know, after a day at work or whatever, and then you've got to come home and talk about this season. But the end is nearly there. Um, looks like Champions League hopes are all but over. Which I think, to be honest, we was kind of hoping for a miracle anyway. But um, still doesn't mean that, you know, today's performance should be excused. And we will get straight on to that now. But guys, like I say, if you're watching this after uh, the live stream, if you're watching this back, please smash a like. Please leave a comment. Still get involved. And um, yeah, let's get on to it. So um, this is how we're lined up. And Craig, we always start these shows by discussing the lineups and, you know, what we agree with, what we necessarily didn't agree with. But. At the minute, well, before today, it seems like we'd found a winning formula and that was pretty much going to be how we lined up for the rest of the season. So was you happy to see this one again or did you think maybe something else could have changed? Or No, 100% with it, with who we have available right now, that was definitely team picked itself. Um, you know, I think Hen- Henderson's probably the only one that you could have could have made way. Um, but outside of that, everyone has been, has been on it recently. So I was very happy with the team to start and kind of, couldn't, couldn't see another team coming out. So that's that was a good sign in itself that we're, we actually can know what our strongest team is at the moment, even though it didn't show today. Absolutely. Um, when the team came out, you know, I was just like, you know what, that's kind of what everybody would have predicted. Um, maybe, yeah, like you say, Jota potentially could have played and a couple of the, the midfield guys probably could have swapped. But yeah, we found the team, haven't we? Well, before today, like I say, uh, that seemed to get the job done. But um, Michael, was you happy with it, mate? Or was there anything you would have liked to have seen different? I think I'm similar to you, Ben. I probably would have took Diaz out, put Jota in. I think Diaz is still a long way off where he needs to be out, which I mean, it's to be expected. You know, he's missed pretty much the whole of the season through injury. He's not going to come back in a flash, uh, especially yeah. with, you know, his playing style. It's not like Jota, where Jota is just a clinical finisher in the box. So maybe he found his feet a bit quicker, but I don't know. I'd prefer to see Jota today. And I, I'm not sure what you guys thought of Diaz's performance, but I personally wouldn't have thought it was a, a seven as it was given, but that's just me. 
Yeah, no, I agree uh, completely. I think I speak because I was also against my brother if we're not in the game, and um, he seemed a bit rusty. His first touch was a bit off. It seemed like he just wanted to dribble with the ball every time he got onto it. Um, and I just needed somebody on that pitch that was going to get a chance and take it, to be honest. And Jota has been brilliant since he's come back in. Um, so, yeah, I, it's hindsight, isn't it? Like Diaz could have been brilliant today, but I think I'd have liked to have seen Jota a bit earlier than what he got. Uh, one comment so far is from my boy Asim Mahmood. Please go ahead and subscribe to Born Red. Absolutely brilliant channel. Do content very, very regularly throughout the week. Loads of different shows. Uh, so make sure you go show those guys some love. Um, yeah, let's get on to the big first talking point then because, to be honest, I can't really remember it off the top of my head. So I've just got the highlights on my phone. So I'm just going to keep looking down to see what's next. Um, but Craig... They play one long ball over the top. It seems to get away from Canate and they have a penalty. So when you see that and you see Canate in those moments, obviously we know how good this guy is and how good he can become. Do you still think there's a bit more learning to do or do you think it is literally just, you know, he got it wrong or what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Canate is, um, is a funny one for me because he's, he's absolutely adored by the fans. You know, out of the centre-backs that we have, he's the next popular and he is the second choice after Van Dijk um, in, in everyone's mind. But he has as many mistakes in him as Mata and maybe Gomez do, in my in my mind. He's an absolute rock-solid defender. There's like, you know, when you come up against the tallest striker in the league, he's the man you want in there. But yeah, you know, he has that same, those issues that Mata has, like the ball can get stuck between his feet when he when he's playing with the ball. And then just the odd rash tackle. Um, so de- he's definitely not the finished article, but like, you know, if he can stay fit over the next few years, then we will see, we will see what he's like. Because um, again, defenders, they, they don't hit their peak until a certain age. Mm-hmm. So if they, what he's like at the young age, we're, I'm still hopeful for the future for him, 100%. But yeah, it was, it was definitely missed, mistimed and unfortunate as well, because like that was their second, second bit of play uh, in, the whole, in the whole game. Um, outside of that, we were pressing like monsters, and they were just kind of switching to the left, and that was their only tactic, and it worked. That was the thing, though; it, it worked really well. They, they did it well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was a couple of the other tactics in there, such as going down every single time a tackle was made, and they got a free kick, which is a, a thing we're seeing a, a lot at the minute against us. But we'll get onto that in a bit. Um, but yes, yeah, spot on, mate. I, I agree. I think Kanata is absolutely brilliant, and you know, to get him for the money that we got him for. And to say he's nowhere near his peak, I think he's a top, top signing. But um, I also agree, you know, sometimes it can be a bit rash. um, And I think we saw that today. But Mike, um, who was it that stood? Was it it Watkins, wasn't it? Stood up for the pen. Drags it wide, mate. Um, What are you feeling at that point, mate, when you see that ball go wide? Thought we had a bit of luck on our side. I thought, you know, that's the wake-up call we kind of needed. Just touching on Canate, I think the thing is, like you say, he's he's a spectacular player. He's only going to get better. I think... As a defensive line, we're still adjusting to having Canate cover that particular area. He's a lot wider than he'd normally be, which is where the gap is, which fair play to Villa. They did exploit with the ball over the top. It was right in between uh, where that space was. And that's where Watkins just kept going and going and going. Because he went through straight after the penalty as well, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I think it was Van Dijk covering him, thankfully. But yeah, no, when the penalty's missed, big sigh of relief inside the stadium, I think we all felt. Uh, but... We just didn't switch on, and we've seen it time and time again this season, haven't we? Where we've had a little let off, and you think, okay, now's the wake up call. Now we're going to bounce back. Don't know if it's a lack of leadership, a lack of awareness, or just maybe because the confidence is where it is at the moment. But no one woke up. It took until we were one 0 down half time before we ever seen a reaction, really. 
Yeah, absolutely, mate. And, you know, we went 1-0 down. And again, it was a bit of what we've seen a lot recently with Liverpool, especially this season. Um, they kept spamming balls into the box. We were dealing with it. You know, each ball was going back out, but then they put one into the back post, which is an, an area which a lot of um, teams have killed us this season, to be honest. And people will, will look at Trent. That's fine. Blame him all you want. But I, I don't know. I, I've, I'm watching it back now. I think there's just a confusion between Trent and Kalate at the back post. I think uh, it is Trent's man to start with, but I'm not sure why he's not gone to it. Craig, what, what do you think's happened for their goal, mate? What, what do you think's gone wrong there? I th- well, I th- we were talking about the tactics of Villa there. They didn't they didn't really bring uh, too much to it, firing long throws yeah. and, and, and what you're talking about there and talking about time wasting. And it was the second ball of the long throws that was killing us. Like we were getting, we were getting onto the first one, but you saw that there was a Fabinho that headed out weekly. No, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a difficult throw in to deal with. And then all of a sudden it's the second phase, the third phase or whatever. And we go. So I was more, I was more annoyed with kind of how we're reacting to the second balls. Then, like I, that was a good ball. We've scored many, many, many goals like that ourselves, where it's just in the right area, and you know, it's 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 up in the air between two guys and who gets there first. So uh, we could have dealt with that earlier, in, in my in my opinion, and that was probably the, the bigger issue. Um, and clearly, that we're looking for it too. Yeah, hundred percent, and. I think Allison's called straight into action again, straight after that they go through and he comes out and makes the save. And it just, it made me think again, like without Allison, I don't know where we'd be this season because even, you know, games like today against the likes of Villa, he's coming out and making so many 1v1 saves. And um, yeah, it was just, we didn't, we never kicked on. And I think that's been the case a lot this season. We, we get off the hook, there's a decision that happens or whatever, somebody misses a chance and you're like, okay, that's going to kick some sort of fight into them now. And it took us until we did get the goal, which was in the 80th minute, which we'll come on to a bit later. Uh, or I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was late on into the game. That's when we then started to push. And that's when we then, you know, maybe we can get another goal. But we should have done that way earlier. The old Liverpool would have. The old Liverpool, as soon as we got that first goal, would have thought, okay, this hasn't been a great start, but we've still got all this time to, to you know, put the record straight. And especially at Anfield, there'd be no doubt in anybody's mind that we would go on to do it from 1-0 down. But now, this has been like the 10th the game this season where we've gotten 1-0 down at home. And I just automatically think to myself, well, it's going to be a point now. Like, we're gonna we're gonna get a draw at best, Mike. Do you are you on the same page as me there, mate? Yeah, I'm I'm similar to. I'm never gonna blame fans for anything, but I feel like it it's got to the point now where we went a goal behind, and there was a feeling within the crowd where it's, it was instead of trying to urge the team for a reaction, it felt more like we were all just frustrated. If that makes sense, I re- I remember during that season where we had the injuries in defence and we were playing like Reese Williams and Nat, uh, Nat Phillips, you know, the absolute icons that they were uh, at the back. And it was a similar energy there where it was, we concede and instead of the fans kind of going, all right, we're going to get back in this and the players feeling the same, it felt more like a here we go again kind of thing. And, you know, it's easy to blame the age of the squad or, you know, having issues in midfield. But it's like Craig said before, the long throwing, like we, we faced it three times in the last four games where, We've been exploited at the exact same thing with a long throw and we've not looked comfortable, not once. And I don't know what that comes down to, whether that's a player thing, whether it's a coach inside, but tactically we do not seem ready for it because we're always ready to deal with the, the high line. We know the cost, you know, the um, the cause and effect of us playing that. We play the high line for the for the press. Um, 
and the tri- um, so trigger points high up the pitch and we accept the fact the long ball might go over the top and we have to deal with it. But when we look so vulnerable from simple simple positions, a long throw, a set piece, back like you said, back stick. God knows how many times a season we've been exploited that. <laughs> you have to kind of wonder how, uh, you know, what what is the thinking long term to try and find a solution? Because it's not a sign a hundred million pound player and this is fixed. It's it's a deeper issue than that. Hundred percent, mate. Um, agree with what you're saying. KFC delivery. I could do the KFC now. Man City <laughs> crown okay. champions. Um, yeah, well done. Uh, who would have thought it? Like, wow, brilliant. Um. Yeah. Um, Arsenal losing then. Yeah, they lost to Forest. <laughs> I um, I had to. I've been on the journey home. I didn't even see the Arsenal result. You being serious? Yeah, yeah. Tyra won. You scored again. Yeah. yeah. Might you might take the Bundesliga as well. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in shock. You being not Forest won. Yeah. Yeah, Forest won. Yeah, they're staying up now. That, I think that's confirmed. Wow. Um, okay, we'll move on. I'll react to that after the game. That's my uh, after the chat. That's mad. <laughs> that is crazy. But guys, we have got a little debate now because we spoke about this off camera. Um, Craig's smiling already because he's gonna probably annoy a few of you guys watching. Um, officiating in this game. Now, I thought, and me and Mike, but we both agreed because people will instantly turn around and say, "What about the Jota one?" Um, if you're saying that's a red card then this is a red card. And at the time, I was like, eh, no, you know what? Jota is not a red card. Just because it's Jota, it's my player. you, you got to say those things. Like, But I, I I, think now that both of them are red cards. This one is, for me, 100% a red card because he has gone to play the ball. I can't show the clip because I don't want the, the channel to get taken down. Um, he's played the ball, but the follow-through is so high on his chest. And then when Gakpo takes his shirt off to show the referee, he's got like three gashes going down his chest. And for me, um, that's just way too high. I think if it was just below, maybe. But I think when you're talking your chest, for me, accidental or not, I think it comes into dangerous play. And, you know, that could have been a serious injury for, for Cody Gakpo. But Craig, you was not... Agreeing. So, yeah, what were your thoughts on that, mate? Just I, I, from the point of view, I always try and look at this from you know the other way around. If 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 that was a Liverpool player that did it, and how how would I feel if if it was the mm. red card? And I feel like Fabinho's done that a few times. You know, like obviously not the same damage or the or, or the stud marks on the chest. So I haven't seen that, but definitely throwing in a high a high tackle just to win a ball off someone in a 50-50 kind of situation. And in that in that regard as well, Gakpo. Is coming in at it with his with his knee. You know, he's not going in to try and to, to control the ball or anything else like that. So, I feel like it wasn't reckless. He he played the ball and yeah, he he caught him on the follow through. I thought a yellow card was was fair enough. Um, and the pictures look worse. I'd actually feel like that if that was on the leg, that would be a much worse injury than if it was on the chest. No, I I think that's fair, uh, Mike. I don't think that's fair. Him? Maybe, maybe it's for the art. Great. The thing is, I, I, I like you, man. You're great. But like, I, I think when you look at the attack, like the the marks on his chest, it's a full boot to the chest. It's not a scrape. Like, it's a full boot in the chest. We've seen some of the injuries in terms of concussions and chest injuries that can occur on a football pitch over the last couple of years. That can be very long term damage, uh, damaging. I, I personally, I thought it was a red card. And like Ben said before, like the shot I won a couple of weeks back is a red card. Like it is. Like I'm more than. More than honest to say that. Maybe it's karma in the sense that we didn't, you know, we didn't get a red one for this one. It is what it is. You know, it all balances out. But I'm shocked that VAR, I mean, we'll talk about VAR throughout throughout this chat, I'm sure. But 
I'm shocked they looked at that in slow-mo, normal speed, whatever, and deem that not to be serious foul play. Because for me, serious foul play comes under the pretense of possible long-term harm to a player. Like you said, yeah, on a leg, 100%, that would probably be worse in the sense, you know, you could break a leg. But the speed at which he's going into Gakpo's chest, that could also cause a lot of issues. And for me, yeah, I, I think it is a red. I think it is. I was shocked that VAR deemed it not to be. Uh, and considering Gakpo was bleeding from his chest still after he scored, you know, <laughs> it looks pretty, looked like straight out of Gladiator, to be honest, mate. Um but yeah, for me, mate, it's a straight red. Ben, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was. And in the time, in, in fast motion, I didn't because I, I didn't really get to see it. But I think um, obviously when I showed the replays, when the you know Gakpo's taken his, his shirt off and shown the mess that his uh, chest was left in, uh, I thought it was a red. Um, but it is what it is. We we know these decisions um, haven't gone for us recently, and that's the whole reason why. Klopp wasn't on the touchline today because he made that very clear. Maybe he did it in the wrong way. I don't know. But I think he's got a point because there were so many decisions today. We're going to talk about the goal now. And again, this is going to open up a debate because for me, I watched it back. I was seeing the VAR. Um, for, for one, I can't remember the last time I saw a referee check VAR for an offside anyway. So I don't know why that happened. I always thought it was the guys in the van that did offsides. But again, maybe I just don't know as much as I, I thought I did. Um, but I just can't for the life of me understand how they've not decided that. I can't remember who it was. The Villa player hasn't played the ball. He's gone to clear the ball. Whether he scuffed it or not, fine. That's that's his fault for not kicking the ball properly. But he's played the ball. His legs move towards the ball. That is playing the ball. But because Virgil's standing in an offside position, they've said that he's not played the ball and Virgil's offside. So I couldn't understand it at the time. I, I was ripping my hair out because I had no idea what they were even checking for. But Craig, can you enlighten me how they've decided that the defender wasn't playing the ball? Because I, I just can't get it for the life of me. I think they're just saying that he stood there. I think that's all, that's the only defence they have is that, you know, he, he got in the way of it as opposed to playing it. But even, even still, no, like as a defender, you stand there to get in the way. You know, that's, that's as mm. simple as that. It was, I don't know. How, I no. It's definitely, definitely a goal. Um, there's, there's no. There obviously they he gone back and he says subjective, and but that's the worst. The worst thing we can have uh, is these subjective decisions when one ref will say it's one thing and another another ref will say it's another. How how do you how do you control that? Yeah, exactly. And you know, Mike, it was just for me. So it seemed like a proper dampener because we seem to be getting the momentum we seem to be pushing and then Gakpo finally gets the goal and then we're back to square one uh, they've not gone down to 10 men we haven't got the equalising goal so you're all of a sudden thinking oh we've got to go again so what was it like for you first of all do you agree with what me and Craig have just said I do agree, I do agree to an extent I think anytime you know a ref goes you know subjective opinion it's always not ideal uh, because there should be a very small percentage of subjectivity when it comes to these types of things. Um, I think when it comes to, you know, him, the defender's positioning, is he aware of where he's putting the ball, which is the question, you know, if it's deflected off him, he has no idea where the ball's going. Is he aware of where he's moving the ball to? Yeah, he is. I I, I don't see how that's subjective. Um, So in that sense, yeah, for me, he's onside, goal should stand. I personally have not seen a ref go and check uh, for an offside 
VAR decision since the very early, early days of VAR. So when that happened, it's very hard not to feel like the whole, you know, my team v the world moment. Um, you know, every club feels that, every support feels that in the moment. Uh, you know, VAR has screwed over many teams this season. It's not just us. But that personally was not ideal. And, and yeah, it's just, it sucked the atmosphere out again. It was one of those, we, we were building momentum, building the moment. Goal goes in. It look, it's looking good. We're all begging for Bobby to come on. Uh, <laughs> I felt like if we were all begging Bobby to come on from half time, if I'm honest with you. Uh, mm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, it sucked the life out of the team again. And you can see the frustration. I think Trent, there was a close up on Trent at one point just after the goal. And I think he was the most fr- frustrated figure in the, the starting 11 today. Uh, just throughout the game, you just see him getting agitated with the decisions, and understandably so. You know, I think he's shown just a slight side note. I think Trent has shown a lot more visible passion, or however you want to put it. I think he's always worked hard. I think he's always gave all he can. Mm-hmm. But some people have questioned his attitude at times. I think he's shown a lot more visible passion in the last couple of weeks to maybe, you know, and hopefully that's appeased some people that question his sort of dedication uh, because I do think he's very dedicated, and I think he's a huge captain of the club. If I'm honest with you, but that's just. It's my biased opinion. 100% Mike. I, I've said this a lot on, on this podcast where Trent, even when he was playing at his absolute best and the peak seasons we had under Trent, he always played with that sort of like slouch in his game. Like, oh, I'm the man that... And that's just confidence. Like, that's not arrogance or, you know, even thinking he's better than he... He was just a very confident kid. And obviously, when it's not going right and he's not getting assists and maybe his side is being exploited, that's when obviously people are going to pick up and say, oh, he's not being bothered. For me, I've not really seen much of a difference in Trent. Obviously, he's not been great. I'm not going to pretend he's had an incredible season. He's had an incredible last 10 games. But for me, yeah, I, I think it's silly to question whether he cares. Like, he's a local lad. This is his club. Yeah. But in, in my opinion, he's going to be a captain of the club in the future. And um, just on today's game, I don't think it was his game. It wasn't his day. I think Villa obviously did well to park the bus and cut off his options. And obviously that shot he gets, I think maybe he could do better there. Um, But look, the last 10 games, like I say, he's been faultless. So he's due to have one where maybe it doesn't necessarily go his way. So it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But we do get the goal, Craig. Um, Salah to Bobby Firmino and you know this is the moment we was all dreaming of wasn't it like even though we yeah. didn't win even though top four looks like it's gone that's all we can take from this game Bobby Firmino gets the goal in front of the cup um, exactly before he you know before he leaves and it was emotional wasn't it seeing that like seeing the way he celebrated obviously he couldn't celebrate too much because we still had a, a game to chase um, but that's exactly what we wanted isn't it mate yeah, like today was an emotional day throughout. Um, I, I think, like, sorry, just to go back a bit, um, even the start of the match, you, you know, it's, it was nearly too emotional in a way. Like, we were pressing like monsters in the first um, 10, 15 minutes. Like, the crowd was, was going mad. And we were, you know, it's kind of back to the early days of clapping away. It was like heavy metal, but just with no control. Um, and that's what we improved on over time with them. And it felt really, really like that at the start. And Maybe the emotion of the day got the better of us. The, the last day in Anfield, the crowd was really up for it. And as you say, once it was killed, once the atmosphere was killed, we really needed a Bobby to come, bring us back into it and like to actually get mm. the crowd going again. If that goal was allowed and that was a Bobby Firmino winner, imagine just the the scenes. Would have come off, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Mike, anything to follow on from that, mate? Exactly what we dreamt of, wasn't it? It's a dream scenario, wasn't it? I've seen uh, before, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but his 
Uh, Salah's first goal was assisted by Bobby, and Bobby's last goal was assisted by Salah. And it's, it is poetry, isn't it, really? You can't really write anything better than that. Um, I think those two just have such an incredible link-up. Sorry, Craig, go on. No, I was saying, just want to say what an assist from Salah as well. <laughs> Outside of the left foot, but we're so used to that, where it's like no one's even talking about how insane that is. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we're so used to that quality. He's done that a couple of times with the outside of his left foot, and it's—I don't know, Ben. What did you think of the assist? Like genuinely? Yeah, I think obviously that's a side to Salah's game. I think that has that had been questioned before last season. I think people used to say if he doesn't score, he can go missing. And today again, I'm not going to pretend he he had a perfect game. There were moments that he was quite frustrating where he was getting his passing wrong and stuff. But in those clutch moments, in that exact you know, moment of time where you need a goal um, to even give you some sort of a chance. Salah comes up and so does Bobby. And yeah, it was a brilliant assist. It was a wonderful pass. Uh, Bobby gets his goal. And uh, that leads us on, guys, perfectly to talk about the three lads that are going because I wanted to talk about them. And uh, is it three? Milner? Four. Oh, Abby, four. Yeah, it's four. Right, one spent um, half his career on the injury table, mate. So that's easy to forget. Yeah. That's cool. Um, Sorry, that's what that's mean. <laughs> no, I mean, look, They've all done some. Uh, let's exclude Arthur, okay? Arthur, with no, do you know? No disrespect to you at all. Yep. Um, you came on for twenty minutes, and after five minutes, you were blowing out your backside. I wish you all the best, and it's not your fault that you came into this mess. It was, you know, it was an absolute shambles. I remember doing a, a deadline day stream with me and three other guys on this channel, and we were trying our best to, you know, hype up like, yeah, what if he's good, and then we can activate the thirty million. But it is absolute shambles from start to finish. But I wish him all the best because he seems like a good guy. I read the comments that he said after, you know, he, he really wanted to to make this work. But unfortunately, he just wasn't able to. Um, but the other guys, Millie, Ox, Nabby and Bobby, all of those guys. And I don't care what anybody says. Um, I have got a Nabby Carter shirt behind me. I am a big, big fan of Nabby. I always have been and I always will be. I don't know what your guys' opinions are on them yet, but all of those guys, Ox, Nabby, Milner, Bobby, we all know Bobby's the biggest one, the biggest legend out of those guys leaving. That goes without saying. He's an all-time great. He's one of the best forwards we'll ever see at Liverpool and there won't be another one like him. There won't be another forward that comes to this club that isn't bothered about getting goals and assists where I can't remember who it was, but literally the ball, there was a game uh, where the ball was crossing over the line, somebody else had shot, and he could have literally tapped it in, and he just left it. Like, you're not going to get that with anybody else. Darwin Nunes would smash the ball in the back <laughs> of the net if that, if that happened to him. So would Salah. Would. Yeah, maybe. Um, but we won't get another one like him. So let's just talk about Bobby first, because he is the legend. He's the one that everybody, and Milner is as well. Um, but Craig, Bobby Firmino, mate, what does that guy mean to you, and how emotional was you today, mate? Oh, so emotional. Like, I, I'm a bit hoarse from singing Si Senor in the house. Uh, just, <laughs> just all day. Couldn't couldn't get the tune out of my head. Had to keep it going. But, like, you know, having having a sexy Brazilian on your team, like, that's just, hate to use the word sexy in the wrong, in the wrong capacity. But, no, like, having, having that Samba style over the years has just been such a blessing. You know, like, having, we, we talk about the Brexit midfield and, and, all, and all that, but, like, some of the some of the back heel assists, some of the back heel goal as well. Yeah, just the, the flair, the flashiness. And I, I remember at the very start with Rogers and people talking about, oh, he's a bit gritty. You know, like, you know, he, he's not your typical Brazilian in that way. He gets stuck in. And he's like, that's exactly like the best part of him. He, he was style and he was fierce. Um, he's going to be missed, but, you know, 
got to say Gakpo is is a good is a good um, student of his and will bring something else because you know and here I try to be as balanced as possible with with, with the views. So we have let's not forget Bobby this season has been the Bobby that we've always we've always wanted. He's got the goals to match um, every everything else as well. So that they're you know he 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 over time he didn't score as much as he should have and exactly what you're saying there you know because he's he was completely unselfish but we did need goals from all three forwards as well so it is i think it is the right time uh, but i'm very sad to see him go because there's going to be nobody like him yeah exactly what you're saying 100% mike you share that sentiment mate yeah man i mean i don't know about you lads but like i kind of grew up with bobby so i was like 16 when bobby signed um mm-hmm. i remember I, i'll never forget because I, I i absolutely hated him i'll be honest with you i remember <laughs> i remember the united game when we were under rogers and we had danny ings playing left wing back and we had roberto firmino playing right wing yeah shake your head that was that was a reality we had at one point so when people get on twitter and going this is the worst lfc side i've ever seen it's like i've seen danny ings play left back don't don't tell me that but we had firmino playing right uh, r- uh right wing and i remember thinking at the time i was like i don't i don't see it i really don't see it don't get me wrong i was 16 i didn't know anything then anyway but like I just I couldn't see the appeal. I thought he was slow on the ball. I thought he was technically good, but I thought he was too slow for the league. Klopp comes in. The moment he moved to the false nine, it's a whole different player that was unlocked. And I think what he's brought to this team can't be replicated. Like Cody Gakpo, yeah, wonderful student student of his. I think he'll fit the false nine well. But what Firmino did or has achieved over the last eight years is just he is symbolic of what Klopp stands for uh, for football. You know, it's selfless, it's hardworking, it's, there's, you know, doubters to believers kind of thing. You know what I mean? He never stopped. He never stops. Doesn't matter if we're 3-0 down, 4-0, you know, 3-1 up, 5-0 up. He works the same. And I think that is a rare attribute in a footballer. And yeah, he deserves more to be in a, to, he deserves more than just to be a squad player, which unfortunately, just because of the way we are and we're in transition now, he will be that if he were to stay. And I really respect the fact that he's, he knows that. He's chose on his own, um, to end on his own terms. I got a lot of respect for that. I think the fans do too. You know, he's not overstaying a welcome. You know, he's closing on his own book and then that way he'll, he'll always be missed and I'm sure next season we'll have a run of games where things may, maybe don't click. Maybe it's just one game. There'll be a couple of guys on Twitter going, shouldn't have sold Bobby. Why do we sell Bobby? And about a year ago, they were probably tweeting to sell him. So <laughs> it's always the way. I, I don't want Bobby to leave. I still don't want him to leave. I, I would have loved to have seen him retire here. Um, I think even if um, he had a lesser role and he played in the Cups or Europa League, I think, you know, it would have been fine. But obviously, he's been there eight years. I'm the same as you, Mike. I was 16, just starting college when we signed Bobby. And, you know, eight years with with, with a player in football in, these, in this era is is a lot because most stay for four or five years. Um, and he he will be missed. He, he will definitely be missed both on and off the pitch. It seems like every single person in the world um, yeah, it's come across Bobby Firmino, adored him, and his song will be sang for years to come on the cop for sure. He's got a mural now, they just finished that, which is absolutely sensational artwork. I don't know the guy's name who did it, but it's just stunning. Um, and yeah, I think, like you say, Mike, spot on. That's a player that for me epitomizes what Jurgen Klopp did for this team, and he is the main, the main source behind it all. Um, and now we only have Salah left with that amazing front three that we all grew up loving so um it is sad um it's very sad but like you say you're hitting the nail on the head um 
and Ben's gone. <laughs> I thought I was, I thought I was going with a bad internet. <laughs> it's, it's all right, man. It's me and you now. We're running the pod, so this is it. We can just say what we want to get away with it. Oh, he's sorry, gone. sorry. Um, yeah, uh, I can't remember what I said. Yeah, so Diaz and Gakpo comes in. Um, you know, I, I said this last season as well about Diaz. He came in for me at the perfect time because he came in and had six months when Sadio Mane was still there. So he could kind of learn, know, get to know him, get to know what his position's about. And it's the same with Bobby and Gakpo because everyone's like, when he came in, oh, why is he playing through in the middle? He's a left wing on FIFA. Well, it's like, we've literally seen him play through in the middle in the World Cup where I think he scored three goals. Um, and for me, his skill set is similar. It's not the same as Bobby because nobody will have that. I need to be perfectly clear. But I can see a lot of similarities in terms of how they play. Um, and I definitely think that is the, um, the the way they fought. We get Gakpo in in January when a couple of other clubs were, were sniffing around him. And uh, when Bobby leaves, we're good to go with Cody. And, you know, by the way, he's absolutely talked to this team like Dr. Water. He's been brilliant. Yeah. But um, when you talk about the other lads, I could sit here with you guys talking about Bobby all night. I, I could do it. You know, he is a goat for me. Like, it's so sad. Yeah, and somebody said a minute ago, uh, Eunice, uh, if Newcastle and Man United win, I think you will see a B team against Southampton. I'm going to that game. I, I've been sorted some, an absolute legend that I know I'm very close with uh, has sorted me out. Um, I'm not bothered, mate. I'm not bothered if we played Ben Doak, um, Kelleher, Simikas. I don't care. As long as I see Bobby on that day to get my farewell because I wasn't able to go today. That I don't care, mate. I honestly don't care. I'm, as long as I get to do that, then I'm happy. But um, let's talk about Ox and Naby in one, guys, because I, I want to move this on and then we'll, we'll touch on Milner. Um, Craig, what are your thoughts on those two, mate? Both, for me, did a job. Both did a role. But the similarities between both of them, his injuries just absolutely killed them. Yeah, like I, I've, I've been a fan of Naby since, since the start and like Ox as well. Uh, big time, but I think Nab- Nabby was the one that needed, I think, needed to be minded um, a bit more uh, with, with, with everyone. But when he was pl- when he was at when he was on form, when he wasn't coming back straight back from an injury, you know, which unfortunately again that's a part of it. People were judging him straight off the back, um, not he wasn't fit, and then going, "That's it, he's he's done." But that's just a false a false narrative about the guy. You know, Nabby Keita was a quality player for us, and. Um, Brought us something completely different, you know. Like we talk about Ronaldo being press resistant, like Nabi was a press beater, um, and that was, you know, something we didn't always have. Similar to Thiago in a way, and again, like you know, the guy, the guy had the guys had skills. The guy had long long ranges in him, um, and that, those are the only things that people could actually compliment him about. You could watch; they could watch him in a game and say he did nothing. When in my mind, he would have been. A man of the match behind Trent or Salah, who would have got it for the assists or the goals. Um, he, he should have got a lot more man matches in my mind, especially last season. Um, but you know, his, his he unfortunately injuries is the legacy for for both of them. Um, Ox has kind of in a way because of the latter stage of his injuries, we're, we've kind of forgotten about him more so in a way. Whereas you know, Naby thankfully was on the was on the quad run. They both should be remembered. I just, I just hope that wherever they go, they get to play a bit of football, and, and we get, we can see them, you know, be the quality players that they are. Because um, if they're the main stars in the team, I can, I can see them flying you know, wherever they go. 
Absolutely spot on. Um, and Mike, I think that's perfectly summed up from Craig. I think both shown brilliance, both shown what they can do, um, but just hold back, weren't they? Yeah, it's it's a sad one, really, because I think when, when Ox was going for us, uh, and that, I don't know if it was his first season, maybe it was his second. Uh, I think it was his first when he scored that worldie against City. That his first season? Yeah. Like, when he was going then, I think we all agreed, like, uh, this is the midfielder unlocked. You know, we wanted to play in the centre, you know, idolised Gerard in terms of the box-to-box mentality, uh, box-to-box work rate, rather. Um, and he had a heck of a shot on him. I think we've seen some really great moments from him. I do think we got the best out of him. I really do think that. I don't. I think we've seen the best version of Ox. It's a shame his injuries happen the way they have, and he's missed large parts of his career here because of that. But yeah, it's like it's like Craig said. Wherever he goes next, same with Naby. I hope they're the main the main man there. I hope they get the love they deserve because they're great. They're great players for us that have produced moments. It's a shame they couldn't have produced more, but it's not down to a lack of want. It's not down to a lack of work rate. It's just a bit of bad luck. And you know, Naby's a great player. I know. You can get a perception from him from social media that it is, but but that is what it is. Like I think he's, I think he's a top player. I do. I, I think as uh, Craig said, press resistant. He's a good passer of the ball. I think his link up playing the final third was one of our best until Thiago arrived. Um, just just is what it is. Unfortunately, when it comes to injuries, we can't have that at the club anymore. We need to move past it. To be fair, just on your what you're saying. Sorry, uh, just on your what you're saying about in against City. It was it was that uh, that tie that gave us the belief that we could beat City, and it was the year after that we went on to you know to be to be to become the month mentality monsters that we are. So like mm. Ox really did you know help write the story um, of, yeah. of where he went. And he scored some worldies. Let's keep that in mind. There's some of the goals Ox has scored from. If you do do a little goal compilation of his, he scored a worldie in the Champions League for us. I'm thinking it was this year, uh, this year or last year or something in the group stage. Can't believe it, man. Go look at it back if you can't remember it. It's one of the best goals I've seen, like for for a minute. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think my Wi-Fi might have dropped a bit, so hopefully I'm still good. Um, yeah, no, both of them for me had moments and um, just frustration. I think that's the word you can you can use for both of them, really. But for me, more particularly, Nabi, because I think obviously when we signed him, we had to give him back to Leipzig for a season. Um, they've given him the eight, which is, you know, a massive honour. Um, he was one of the most hyped midfielders in the world. Let's not forget when we signed him, I think he was 22 or 23. Can't exactly remember. Um, you know, he was one of the most talked about midfielders. Like every week there'd be clips of Naby Keita at Leipzig, this guy that's just absolutely destroying it over there. And we did see it. We we did see glimpses of it. I was at the Carabao Cup final last season when he had to come in on five minutes notice because Thiago had got injured. Um, and he absolutely bossed it there. The Leicester City game last season. Um, there's been so many moments, and I think that's the word you, you use for both of them. There's been moments. There's never really been a sustained amount of time where they've both been incredible. But again, no fault to their own. I think people are a bit harsh, especially when it comes to ability, because I think it's important to remember that availability and ability that you can't just say a player is not good because they're unavailable. Like Thiago is barely available and we all know how good he is. So I don't know why the energy changes for Naby, especially when we've seen what he can do. But I agree. I, I wish them both the best wherever they go. Um, and I'm sure, you know, <laughs> it will be a risk for whoever does sign them because they've got to consider the amount of games that they might miss. But I'm sure both will probably go to top clubs. I'm, I have no doubt about that. Um, finally, the, the last departure we need to discuss is the vice-capitan. Um, a man who, you know, 
if you listen to what Klopp and Henderson have to say, um, things wouldn't have happened if this man wasn't at the club. That's their words. That's how much they, you know, appreciate James Milner. And Craig, when we signed this guy on a free from Man City, if you cast your mind back to 1516, um, was it 1516 or 1617? It was 1516 because 1516. it was a Rogers sign. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Craig, what was your thinking, mate? This guy coming from City, won league titles. Uh, do you think it was because there was one trophy that had eluded him, mate, when he was at Man City? Well, I was, yeah, delighted to see him come across because you know, we, we were talking about we needed winners in, in, in the squad, and like that's we, we brought one of the best over. And like, I, aside from what he wanted to achieve personally, I don't, I don't know what if, if it was just for the Champions League to come, come to us, but he definitely made it his home. Um, like the, the James Milner door in the AXA, like the <laughs> island, a part of the furniture forever, as they say. Uh, like what they say, like, you know, from, from playing sports, uh, um, like if you have that one guy who's pushing everyone in fitness, you know, that means everyone's just running that bit faster, that bit harder the whole time. And like that, that, that intensity, I hope we can, you know, we can drive that on without him. But that's an unquantifiable benefit that you know is happening every day that we don't see you know where and like that 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 can be that can build up to the weekend and for like you know in a good way or in a bad way um, mm-hmm. and unfortunately the season we saw um, that all those moments building up in a bad way um out of outside of the 90 minutes we were watching as well whereas now it feels like there's a bit of feel good factor around the training ground and, and everything else and um, so it's just about you know, people people talk about getting rid of Henderson. That'd be the, the last thing we should do right now. Is when we're losing James Milner, I, I, don't, I don't care about the minutes he plays. He needs to be on the training ground with the players and pushing everyone. So that I'll be I'll be sad to see him go for for many reasons. Coming on in the, <laughs> the seventieth to the eightieth minute and getting that you know token yellow card for the day. Um, we're gonna we're gonna miss that. It's selfless. <laughs> Absolutely. And Mike, this is a man that did a season at left back when we needed somebody to fill in. Um, this is a man that halved his wages to stay at the club. He's only on six, I say only, but he's on 60 grand a week at the minute. We, he was on double um, a couple of seasons ago. So, yeah, when it comes to James Milner, mate, how are you feeling about him and how important, like, you know, we hear from Klopp and from the captain and he wouldn't, we wouldn't have been able to do what we've done without James Milner in the squad. Do you, do you feel the same? Yeah, I agree 100%. I think first, first thing, uh, Eunice has just put in the chat saying that in his last uh, interview, Klopp said that he wanted him to stay. Uh, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. It also doesn't supri- surprise me the club took action because unfortunately, I think we're in a position now where we need a bit of a clear out. I personally wouldn't have got rid of Milner. I'm in agreement with Craig. I wouldn't get rid of Hendo. Uh <laughs> Sorry, you seen the Newcastle comment? Yeah. It, unreal. Uh, I respect it. Uh, you, you know, you guys have got a season in Champions League. It's, it's fair play. They'll be so in Europe anyway. We'll, we'll see them in Europe. So it's, it's uh, nice. Yeah, it is what it is. You know, enjoy. Um, away from that. Uh, yeah, no, it's Milner is a club legend. I think. Uh, I think he exemplifies what a footballer should be. I think he is probably going to go down as one of the. I say a Premier League legend. Yeah, you can argue that maybe ability-wise, he's not going to be in the same conversation as some. But I think in terms of longevity and leadership, he's very, very high up. Uh, he's just—he's given everything. He—he's scored in important moments. He's assisted in very important moments. If you guys remember the Dortmund game, uh, the incredible mm. comeback against Dortmund, 
he's a lad that provided the assist for the winner. Uh, like he, he's always been there when we've needed him most. And the impact Milner has, similar to Henderson, I think most importantly, isn't even on the pitch. It's in the training. It's in the training sessions. It's in the dressing room. So he's going to be a huge miss, and it's a shame he's got uh, going. Uh, and with Henderson, just to touch on that, because I think Craig made a good point. A lot, a lot of fans are calling for Henderson to leave. You know, saying he's not good enough and all that. And I do agree that we're in a position now where he shouldn't be in the starting eleven next season because we need a. We all agree on that, yeah. Yeah, I think we all agree on that. I don't agree that he should leave because I think he, like Milner, that there's a you need someone who sets the culture at a club, someone who sets the standard. And Henderson sets the culture; he sets the standard. You ask anyone in football about Jordan Henderson. My brother works at Liverpool Football Club, right? You ask anyone about you ask anyone about Jordan Henderson, right? They'll tell you the exact same thing. He's the first one in. He's the last one out. He's the hardest worker. He's the loudest mouth. He's the best communicator there. And people want to sell him why? Because he because he because he can't put in an eight out of ten every week anymore. That's fine. Put him on the bench, rotate him when needed. Play him in the cup games. But he is so crucial to us now, especially with Milner leaving. We need to make sure we keep that leadership. I agree, hundred percent. I I get when people are frustrated with his football ability, like you've just said. You know, we've seen him in this new sort of setup. Um, spend a lot of times on the right, and come on, this isn't twenty twelve. Like he's not at Sunderland. We we can't do that. Uh, which is why I think, without going too much into it right now, we've seen Mason Mount linked with us because I think he would be able to do that role pretty fine. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, mate. I think a lot of the, the stuff that's said about him is a bit sad, to be fair. Uh, but I also mean this in no disrespectful way to anybody on social media at all. But I think Gene Wijnaldum alluded to it when he left, that on social media and in the ground, there was two sort of different compar- like sort of receptions. Like in the ground, everyone sang his song, everybody praised him. But then he said, whenever we conceded or we lost, he'd don't, you know, it's on social media that it was his fault. And look, I'm not sat here saying Henderson's the player he was in 1819 or 1920. He's not. And I'm not saying that he should start next season. He shouldn't. I agree with you, Michael, 100%. But this is why this summer is the most crucial window in our in our tenure under Klopp so far because we have to get it right. We have to make sure we make enough signings so that Fabinho, Henderson, they're not playing 50 games a season anymore. Um, so I think that's the, the key to remember this season. Yeah, fine. We got it wrong in the summer. Klopp's probably the first to admit that. But to say all this stuff about Henderson saying that, um, you know, that he, he should leave and there's so much more worse stuff that I'm not going to repeat. But, um, there, you know, some of the kind stuff you see about him, I think it's mad to be fair myself. And like you say, mate, we're in the Europa League. You could easily play him in there. Um, the, the cups and then bring him on see games out if that's the role he wants great if he doesn't want it then maybe you do have to think about him but look again let's see what we are going to do um, and we have said goodbye to a few players today but um, that's why it's so important that we look on to the future and by doing that guys when the game was on I don't know why TAT tweeted this out when the game was on when I was losing my mind at the game um, I saw the notification pop up on my phone and I was like yeah, we got to sign McAllister. And then on the other hand, I was like, oh, we still need a goal. So I didn't know what to think. Um, <laughs> but Gaston uh, Edu, who is a brilliant journalist, uh, very reliable, says that McAllister will sign for Liverpool. There's a couple more I want to share as well before we get into it. Exclusivo. Alexis McAllister, Joguero in Liverpool. Uh, I use Google Translate to show you guys what it says. Alexis McAllister will play for Liverpool. The Argentine midfielder, world champion in Qatar, will leave Brighton in exchange for a fortune. 
But then Fabricio Romano came out and said, personal terms are almost agreed between Liverpool and McAllister after the project presented in April. Deal not done yet. There are still details left. Pochettino appreciates him. No issues with Brighton. Being told there's a fixed price for Alexis exit in June. But then there's another tweet that Fabricio Romano has said. Liverpool are really, really close to completing Alexis McAllister's signing. It is a matter of final details left to be completed. The agreement with Brighton will not be a problem because it is a fixed amount of price um, decided to let Alexis go. So, Craig, obviously, I've not spoken to you about McAllister yet. Neither of you boys, uh, to be fair. But uh, what are your thoughts on McAllister as a player, mate? It looks like this deal, there's still a couple of finer details to be done. uh, But it looks like we're going to get him, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks like we're going to get them at a, at a good price considering the market. Um, yeah, the way the price of midfielders now nowadays, considering what, what Enzo went for in January, it's yeah, well, it's an unknown. The, the, the window hasn't opened yet, um, really. So we're we're all just guesstimating. But if it is sixty million um, or seventy, I've, I've seen the same the same person says sixty in one tweet and then seventy in another. I don't know if it was a it was a currency exchange or something uh, went wrong, but. In, in and around that, he's got the Premiership experience, World Cup winner, um, another another genie Ronaldo. That's all. The only thing I can say after the conversation we just had about uh, Ox and Naby is let's hope he stays fit. Um, <laughs> that's that's the main thing because if he does, I think even even today, like our midfield when we were at our best, they were nearly. It's, it's like you didn't see them at times, and that's yeah. that was what their function was: was to feed the guys, um, not be the main stars. Um, and I think he, he really he ticks that box. You know, he, he'll just come in, he'll link the play up and you know, give us a bit more defensive pressure as well, which I think, you know, that was the only thing I thought was actually Henderson's issue today. I thought he was actually decent on the ball. I thought it was actually his, his uh, zonal pressure, which was, which was off. So, yeah, that will, that will be a huge difference because, again, we're, we won't be weak on one side of the pitch, um, and, mm. well, depending on how things go. So, I'm uh, very, very excited, and it'd be nice to get get the news in early as well. Because I think after the season we've had, we we do the fans need a bit of a bit of a lift. And unfortunately, I, I'm not a big fan of saying signings are are what are, are what we need. I, I like to find the solutions from within. But after this season, yeah, a signing would definitely would definitely lift the mood. Absolutely, Mike. Um, obviously, like I said, I've not spoken to you about McAllister, so just give us a brief idea on how you see him. You see him fitting in. You see him being a good signing for money. Like, what's your thoughts, mate? Yeah, I think as well. I I do think it's going to be a much lower fee than originally uh, said. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was forty-five to fifty. I don't believe any hype of the seventy mil. Uh, so some maybe max sixty. Uh, but that's that's my thing. I could be completely wrong on that. I have nothing to go on. I for think that. that was reported yesterday. To be fair, that it will be sixty or around sixty because um, I saw a lot of people melting down saying like, "Why are we paying eighty million? Nobody said that. Um, yeah. So that I think you're right. right. I think it's going to be lower than. I think it might have been Fabricio that said it. I, I can't. I think I think I've seen so. something similar because I actually think that's yeah. probably where my mind's pulled that from. Um, mm. So yeah, fit, listen, 50, 60 mil, if it's like 60 plus add-ons or 50 plus add-ons, whatever, I think it's a great deal. Uh, I think it's interesting, the players we've been linked with, because you look at McAllister, you look at Matt, you look at Graven, Burke, Barella, they're a different mould to the midfielders of the, if you want to call it, you know, the first generation of Klopp's, Klopp players, you know, we had hard-working, hard-pressing players that weren't necessarily technically gifted. Don't get me wrong, I think Genie Wijnaldum was very technically gifted, but you would never consider them effective in the final third. 
They were just yeah. hard workers to distribute to the front three. Whereas I think if you look at these midfielders we're linked with, even Barella, they're all very effective in the final third. They're all obviously very press resistant, but they're all very technically good as well. And I think that's an interesting switch up in our recruitment. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to see whether that's something to do with a different system or whether that's just maybe his look at the draw. I don't know. I think he'll slide in really well. I can imagine him sliding in where we have Jones at the moment. Um, although I do think Jones, you know, if he continues good form, does this over start next season. But McAllister's the left side of a three. And then we're going to sign someone for the right side of the three. Maybe that's Mount. Who knows? But McAllister plays on the left side of the three for us. He plays there for Argentina, depending on their shape. Uh, sorry, for Brighton. Um, and he plays for Argentina in a similar role, depending on their shape. Obviously, he played off Messi for the final couple of games of the World Cup. So it'll be very interesting to see how he fits in. I think he'll fit in well. I think he'll get, get the number 10 shirt as well. So, you know, you know, there's a lot of responsibility there. Imagine a long-term contract. So, yeah, I'm excited by it. What about you? How are you feeling? Yeah, I, I, I share the same views, mate, to be fair. I think, um, you know, this season we, we, we decided, and wrongfully so, to go ahead with the same guys in midfield again. Um, and to be fair, maybe they thought, you know, for whatever reason, they were confident they would get Jude for the price they had in mind. That obviously didn't work out. Um, so obviously they decided to go with those that group that we already had. And I've said so many times, I've come out and said that it's wrong and it's ridiculous that we did that. I'm not going to go through all of that again. Um, but... It's upwards and upwards, and you know, McAllister. If he's turned down other clubs like Reporter to come and play for us, that is the best news that I could possibly hear because that shows that there have been other clubs that have tried to get him, but he wants us and he wants to work with Klopp. He wants to be, you know, that centerpiece of this midfield rebuild. Um, and I love that if a player wants to come here, if a player is determined to turn other clubs down to come to Liverpool. That's the best bit of news I can hear when we're linked to a player. Um, so that's that for, in terms of him as a, a person. But I've been to three Brighton games in the last two seasons and the guy's, the guy's been brilliant every single time. Um, you know, every single time I've watched him against us, I'm just think, come away from the game thinking that he's a player that's not going to be there for long. And obviously... Um, you know, the money, people will say it's too much, whatever, fine, I don't care. You know, you can't say for one minute, we need all these players and, you know, why aren't they spending? And then on the other hand, when we do go and do that, um, say it's too much. For me, I just don't get why people are like that, but that is the, the day and age we live in, I guess. Um, I'm excited for it. I think, you know, if Klopp's seen what, what obviously what he's seen in him, he knows that he can play in the system. He knows that he can be that player that can find that space, that can be that technically gifted player to break down a low block like today, for example. Um, and that's going to do absolute wonders for us because even though we've been bad, we still have 60, 65, 70% of the ball every game. And yeah. you need players that can do something with that ball when you've got that amount of possession. So we've obviously seen what McAllister can do. He's also got 10 goals as well from midfield this season, which is something that we've not really had. Um, I think Curtis I Jones know. has like three in the last however yeah he's got ten he's in double figures um, a few of those were pens and he's obviously not going to take pens for us if Salah's on the pitch but um, yeah I, I'm, I'm happy I'm, I think we're moving in the right direction um, a, a year too late admittedly or maybe a couple of years too late but you know it is what it is. We're finally looking like we're rectifying it. McAllister looks like he's going to sign. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if after that Southampton game next week, something from Paul Joyce comes out um, almost in instantly, to be fair. So um, let's see what happens, guys. And we will be live again if that signing gets confirmed or when it gets confirmed. 
and um, we'll we'll talk about it in more depth because obviously we've had to talk about a lot today. Um, you know, we don't like going over an hour to be fair, but um, McAllister looks like he's going to sign, guys. It looks like uh, personal terms have been agreed or close to being agreed. I think the reports are saying. But yeah, I, I'm confident now that he is going to sign and become a Liverpool player. But guys, that's all we've got time for tonight, to be fair. I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, please make sure you smash the subscribe button because we are going to be more uh, constant on this throughout next season, especially in the postseason, or the close season, sorry. We're going to do different streams as well, different type of stuff. We're going to do like an award show. I mean, there's not really many to give out, to be fair. But um, we're going to just discuss the season. We're going to look back on it and see where it went wrong. Um, and what we need to do for next season, all that kind of stuff. Uh, next season as well, sorry, in the summer, we're going to start bringing previews onto the channel as well. So we're going to talk about upcoming fixtures rather than just going live at the end of every game. We're also going to be looking ahead of games as well and just having more in-depth discussions about Liverpool and how we're getting on. Um, so guys, thanks for watching. Make sure you tune in after Southampton next week. It will most likely be Monday because um, I'm, I'm going to be there and it's an absolute trek to Southampton from where I live. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, make sure you're around. Put your notifications on. Make sure you show these guys some love. They've been absolutely class in the first stream on the channel. And uh, we'll see you guys next week after the season concludes. Take care. and well, Goodbye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.